welcome to the Make Learning Magical podcast. I am your host, Tisha Richmond. On this show, I chat with educators and thought leaders from around the world to hear stories of how they are transforming teaching and creating unforgettable learning experiences because we all have our own special magic. Welcome to the Make Learning Magical podcast. I am thrilled to have Dr. Will Diamport on the show today. As seen on Forbes.com, Schoology Exchange, District Administration, EdSurge, Inacall, and TechEdge Magazine, Will Diamport is an entrepreneurial educator who specializes in assisting educators in going digital. Dr. Will, as he is better known as, is a podcaster, writer, documentary filmmaker, and district instructional technologist for Hattiesburg Public School District. Dr. Will is the creator and host of The Dr. Will Show, where he interviews educators and entrepreneurs on leveling up. In March of 2019, EduMatch Publishing released Dr. Will's first documentary, The Edupreneur. The video explores the lives and careers of eight educators who have become educational consultants. You can find the documentary on Vimeo On Demand as well as Amazon Prime. Welcome, Dr. Will. Hey, well, thank you for coming on. You were on my podcast. Yes, I had so much fun on your podcast, and I, I'm so excited to have you on mine, talking about education and all the good stuff that's happening right now. Yes, yes. Awesome. So I would love to hear a little bit about your story of how you became an educator and what brought you to this point now where you are creating documentaries, you're podcasting, you're supporting teachers in your district instructional technologist role. I never sought out to be an educator, quite honestly. Uh, I originally went to film school. And I graduated and I'm thinking, what am I going to do? And I said, ha, huh, I'll be a cliche. I will get a part-time job and write a script. Uh, <laughs> and that part-time job happened to be as a substitute. And what I ended up doing in that role, uh, I formed a relationship with one of the Spanish teachers there and I started working she told me, oh, there's going to be a, a language fair. Uh, can you teach my students, you know, um, how to salsa? And I said, yeah. <laughs> so I taught them how to salsa. We did a routine. And they performed at the uh, at the language fair and got a trophy. I was, I was like, yeah. And from there, my first real job in education was working uh, for Gear Up uh, UMass, running a college and career mentoring program. So it was all about exposing what they call underrepresented students to the whole college career planning process. And I enjoyed that and really got my whole purpose there was to get them to see beyond their neighborhood. Mm. Uh, the, to me, the achievement gap is easy to close, but you can't close it if the hope gap is wide. Ah. And so for me, it's all about that hope gap, getting them to see the world, that they belong in that world that's bigger than their neighborhood. Because mm-hmm. once they see that, right, they raise their own expectations yeah. and they put in the work, right? So mm-hmm. that is what I did. And then from there, you know, I got married and moved uh, back to Mississippi to get me some more degrees. And I, I haven't left and I got this job is 
true story. Um, not that I haven't been truthful before, but Eric Scheniger came to Mississippi. And and prior to that, you know, he and I have, you know, we've had conversations, we've done things together online. Uh, but he came about eight years ago, he came to Mississippi to keynote our Mecca conference. And, and as he was getting, you know, talking to the crowd before he went to his keynote, he said, I have a friend here who is a Google guru. If anything you want to know about Google, Will DeAmport, right? And I did this to the crowd, the little Miss America wave. And then at the time, Ross Randall was the tech director. And I walked up to him and I said, hey, you need to give me a job. And he said, I will. And then six weeks later, I started working with the district. Wow. That's yeah. an awesome story. Yeah. That's fantastic. And you've been in with that same district ever since. Yes. Wow. That is great. I love that. I love that. So we have very similar roles. I think we have slightly different titles. I am a tech integration specialist at the district level. You are a district instructional technologist. And I don't know about you, but wow, since March, uh, things have gotten a little wild and crazy in my role. And I would love to hear a little bit about what this is, what this looked like for you when, when March came around and COVID-19 hit, what, what shifts did you make? How did you pivot in your role to support teachers um, in this time in education where everybody had to go online? I suddenly became important, mm. right? I, I became like a, a superstar in the district. It was, you know, a position that people knew of, you know, mm -hmm. but now it was a position that everyone knew of. And it was crazy because I'm at home and I'm chilling and my wife and I, we're hearing all this stuff in the news and we're, and we're waiting because we're on spring break when it mm -hmm. prior to, and we're wondering, are they going to call it? Are they going to call school? Are they going to mm -hmm. say you're going to be working from home? Cause right. I was a little excited about that. And all of a sudden my boss calls me. So my spring break was cut really short and she said, okay, I need a list of all programs that, we're, we're, we have that we're using that and how to how can kids log into these programs mm -hmm. so when she said that I had a feeling they were going to call this thing and from there it just went like phew, rapid pace I was creating tutorials on how the kids log in to the Chromebook how do they log into their email I was creating other tutorials how you log into Schoology I was creating tutorials for teachers on how do you create a class in, in Google Classroom and how do you do that for Schoology? And it was just boom, boom, boom. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, my phone is blowing up emails from parents. My kid can't log in. What is the password and all of those things? So that was like sort of an immediate shock to the system. I was just like, even though I was working from home and I enjoyed that, I was just worn out mm -hmm. because there was not a day that I didn't get contacted from not only teachers, administrators, academic coaches, 
but we're talking about again parents because mm-hmm. normally I don't get contacted by parents. So, so now this was parents. I've even had students email me to say, "Hey, I can't log into this program." So that was there, and then the whole idea of how do you prepare teachers to teach online? Mm-hmm. You know, because in the past it was I'll throw this in Schoology. I'll throw this in Google Classroom. No one is really looking, right? No one is really paying attention to it, but now people were. Mm -hmm. And now it was, how do I, what are the best practices for me doing this the right way? And that was what I was most excited about because I'm all Mm -hmm. in on the online learning piece. And that has been my world. And it has not, stopped right you know august was again like oh my goodness because now you're talking about a whole influx of new students and their email logins and all of their stuff and so i'm responsible and i don't create the accounts uh the tech people have set things up where they go through a system called GADS, so stuff is automatically created. Mm -hmm. But when the passwords don't work, I'm the one who resets the passwords. Mm -hmm. And so can imagine how things were going, you know, that first uh, few months and again, working with teachers, because I did that all throughout the summer and and I'm still doing it, working with teachers, going to see teachers. And then we made the investment to pick up some uh, Promethean panels for uh, I don't know, 85, 90% of our teachers. And so now I'm spending my days going into classrooms to show teachers with the Promethean panel and Zoom, how can they how can they teach synchronously? Oh, so wow. kids at home and kids at school, how do they get the same teaching experience at the same time? Wow. So you're in a hybrid situation then where some, what is that looking like in your district right now? Yeah, we... Our first three weeks, we were completely virtual. Then we went hybrid. Now it's going to be, though we're not uh, calling it hybrid, it's going to be a situation where all the kids are are sort of coming back, except for those who have chosen the virtual the virtual option. Okay. And so I don't know how many students that uh, that will be. But those who will be at home, you know, they'll have the opportunity to, as as we did with the hybrid schedule with students actually being able to log in and see the class live as it happens. Okay. And the kids at and the kids in the classroom see it. And so part of what I've been doing is is how can we leverage this technology in a way that supports the work that you're doing that you do best and how, and let's get in, in, you know, in observing, you know, just, you know, saying, be aware, be present. Mm -hmm. Right. Because some teachers have a tendency to focus on the online kids because it's like they're online and it's there. Mm -hmm. It's this pressure of we, you know, online, online, online that the kids in the classroom don't really get the attention 
or you can focus on the kids right in front of you and you lose focus on the kids online. Right. And so it's, it's how do you keep them both engaged? And so I've been in classrooms observing, I, I, I there's a teacher I work with now, I mean, you know, Miss Patton and she was awesome. I actually stayed her own, her whole class. I was like, wow, this is amazing. And I loved mm-hmm. how she was going on this math lesson, math lesson that covered the distributive property. And so, you know, she would, uh, Ask the kids online, okay, you know, Jeremy, uh, what do we do now? Uh, or what are we doing? And we're like, oh, the distributive property. So she would write it down and then turn to the class. What do we do next? Wow. You know, oh, we got to multiply. Okay. She's like, what do we do next? And it would be like uh, combined like factors. Yes, yes. And then she had Schoology open and went through the process of how are we going to eliminate the answer choices to get to the correct mm-hmm. one. And the fact that it was such a beautiful flow and give and take and the kids online and the kids at home were participating and you could actually from the class sitting there, hear the kids online. Mm-hmm. It was just artistry. It was amazing. And that is part of the work that I am sort of charged with now is not only teaching them that workflow of how all of these things mm-hmm. sort of be put together, but how to, you know, do it well. And it's very interesting because a lot of teachers, I mean, I, I don't, how can I say this? Most teachers in the classroom, you know, you're talking about most of them having at least five or plus years experience. Mm -hmm. So they were taught how to teach a certain way. Right. And then even the new ones, they're coming out of education programs that are pretty much reinforcing the same way of teaching. They may throw in some Kahoot and some Mm -hmm. quizzes and some stuff and and they're patting themselves on the back thinking they're doing something. You're not. Right. Uh, But... (laughs) Then they're coming to this environment and we had a lot of technology and a lot of things in place before COVID hit. Now it hit and we've, we've expanded our footprint and added more devices and added these Promethean panels. And we're bringing everyone, everyone onto Schoology, which beforehand it was elementary Google classroom, secondary Schoology. So now everybody's going to be going to Schoology, which is now part of my work now is bringing the elementary on. And this is a lot of, of moving parts. And part of that is working with teachers to change their mindset, which, as you know, that's difficult to do mm-hmm. when, you know, you've been, teachers have been teaching, they have this experience and especially if a teacher has been effective, right? I, so if they're, they got a lot of fours and fives on the evaluation or they can point to, look at my test scores. Mm-hmm. It's hard to tell that teacher, um, we need to be different. Yeah. Because they're like, I'm good. <laughs> you know, it works for me. <laughs> right. You know, and so that's all a part of, you know, what I, what I'm, I'm dealing with right now. So it, it, it's fun. Um, but I'm tired. Yeah. You know, I get home and I, I get in the living room in my chair 
And before I know it, I'm like, my wife said, and I'm like, did I take a nap? My wife even told me she was actually talking to me. And I was actually falling asleep as she was talking. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Uh, it, it, it's just a lot of, it's just a, a lot of work and a lot of moving hats and a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Yes, I can totally relate to that. And we were not on a learning management system when this hit. And so we actually, as a district, moved to Canvas. We had had some teachers that were using Google Classroom prior. And so they were using Google Classroom primarily during the spring. And then we implemented Canvas over the summer. And so I find the struggle is how to just get settled in, like you said, to this new workflow. How do you create this workflow? Because it's hard to really start figuring out effective ways to teach when you just can't even, you're not, you're not settled. You, you don't have, in our district, we didn't have, um, any brick and mortar. So we've been completely virtual. We still are virtual. And so they don't have anything that is as it was, right? Like their entire way that they taught in their brick and mortar classroom is not there. And so having to get settled into this learning management system and using that as their virtual classroom has been a huge, huge shift. And so yeah, I totally relate to the tired too because you're continuously trying to help problem solve and and also help cheerlead and and tell teachers you're doing a good job and helping to de-escalate the stress and so many emotions right now with uh, all of the all of the disruption, just so much disruption. And so I, you, you, you take on all that emotion and you try to sort things out and you try to, you try to support teachers the best you can, but, uh, and I love it too. I love it so much. I love getting to support teachers and, and, but it's hard. It's definitely, definitely been a challenging time for sure. So I watched your amazing documentary called The Edupreneur, and I enjoyed it so much. I thought it was so well done. And in this documentary, you are really highlighting prolific educators who have really created super impactful resources and businesses in the education space. And I loved watching it in my own journey and becoming a connected educator and starting to blog, write and podcast and public speak so much of what these educators were sharing really resonated with me and really made me think about some things. And I would love to hear about how this came into being. How did you decide to produce this documentary? What was the the catalyst for this? Uh, well, thank you. First, I want to thank you for your support. Uh, I got an email uh, pop on my phone. You've made another sale. So uh, <laughs> thank you. Uh, the idea, honestly, was Dr. Sarah's. 
she I emailed I interviewed her actually on my podcast about her work as an entrepreneur and I told her look you know I would love to be a part of the EduMatch family and write for you but I don't have a book in me I just just can't sit down and do that and she said why don't you do a documentary I said what are you talking about she said well you already have this podcast where you're interviewing people so you could do the same thing and we could craft a narrative and I said oh and I thought about it and I said that sounds fantastic and once she said cool and we just and let's do this I you know, she's like, give me a proposal. And I, and I sat down and I started thinking about it. And the first thing that came to my mind, honestly, was it's going to be like one-to-one teaching or whatever. And I said, I know I'm bored of that. I'm just bored. That's my job, right? I'm, I'm, I'm done. And I said, I have my, you know, my podcast. I said, let's do this entrepreneur thing. And I had my sort of all-star cast of who I wanted. Not thinking they were going to be saying yes because with their stature, why would they come on and talk about that business piece? Because as you know, a lot of educators don't talk about money and when you and then when you start talking about consulting and charging people for that stuff that they think should be free, a lot of our colleagues kind of look at you like, mm. Mm-hmm. So I didn't think this was going to happen, but they said yes. And when they said yes, and I was like, wow, okay. And one, and I did my first interview with Angela Myers, and she dropped just so many gems. But the one thing that got me like the tingles is when she was like, oh, I just had my I just had a back surgery and I'm going to be out for six weeks so that's money I'm not going to be making that's money I got to go get and I said oh did she just share that mm-hmm. I said this is going to be good mm-hmm. because I did not expect people to get as personal as they as they were and I mean there was a lot more personal stuff that did not make the documentary like really personal mm. but I said, this is going to be really good. And then interview after interview after interview, this thing just kept getting just better. Even, uh, I cannot believe her name eludes me at this point. My goodness. But she's an assistant superintendent. And she was telling me about her journey. And when she said she was getting ready to quit, and they said, maybe you need to go to high school. And she said, what? High school? Are them kids? Go? Did I just talk going to be there? Because if that's the case, <laughs> no, 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 uh-uh. I said, <laughs> I said wow. Uh, I, it was just a great experience to do it. So that's sort of how it came about of Dr. Sarah just saying, let's do this. And I just treated it like I would do my podcast interviews, but I ask everyone the same questions though. And from there, Dr. Sarah and I sort of went back and forth through the editing process of what to include, what not to include. Let's take this out. Let's trim this. 
and I went and we sent it to the participants to let them watch it. Mm-hmm. Right. So they could, I don't want anyone to be surprised. You know, they, they gets out and they're like, I, well, I don't want that uh, in there. Right. Right. Uh, so we want everyone to get their seal of approval. And then we have people, you know, say, Hey, can you have my website here? My, my, my Twitter name here. Can you do this? Can you do that? And it was just an awesome experience to do it. The only experience that I have not had is the bookstore experience. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, it's not not in a bookstore. And we don't have any, we haven't made any physical copies for me to go into Best Buy and go. uh, Right. But outside of that, it's, it's just been just amazing to be able to do it. Well, I love it. And I, as I was watching, as I was watching it, I was thinking about some common threads as I heard each of the educators speak. And one thing that I loved is I think almost everyone touched on the fact that there was somebody who encouraged them in their journey and just believed in them and helped them get started. Um, So many of them didn't ever expect to be at this, you know, this place where they are public speaking and traveling and and sharing in the education space like they are having it become a business. But there was somebody that said, you know, you should think about doing this. You have valuable resources and 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 a passion that you need to share with the world. And and I love that piece. And I also loved that there was this common thread of just you're needing to be vulnerable and authentic and you need to show your your humanness in this space. And that has been um, an important component for many of them. And then I also loved how they really shared how hard this is. This is not easy. And people think of it being glamorous. They think of the travel and getting to get on a plane and go all over the, you know, the place speaking, but it's hard work. And you don't see that some of these speakers are getting up in front of a huge crowd. And maybe they have been traveling through the night. Maybe they only had two or three hours of sleep. They're not seeing that they're missing. Sometimes their kids, you know, basketball games or sporting events or music recitals. And there's a sacrifice there um, that happens. But what I think is really powerful is that they're all passionate about this work. They don't do it for the income. They do it because they want to make a difference and they love what they're sharing so much they're so passionate about that that's what drives them and they they want to continue making an impact and it just really resonated with me um in just my own journey and and how i love so much to share my passion and there's sacrifice involved in getting out there and it's you're putting yourself in a very vulnerable space too. And it's scary. And and I faced a lot of fear in it, but I love when I know that I can share my story and there's somebody in that audience that my story might resonate with and might impact their journey. 
which is going to impact kids. And that is super powerful. And so anyway, I loved it. And I, I want to recommend to all of the listeners out there to definitely uh, watch this documentary. Can you share how they can find it? How can they get their hands on the Edupreneur? Oh, thank you. Uh, Vimeo.com is a great place uh, for you to get it. Uh, you can rent it or you can purchase it outright. And what I like about the Vimeo platform is you can watch it always within the platform or actually download it onto your device uh, where you can carry yeah. it uh, uh, with you. Uh, it was interesting because we had to, once we knew this was going to be like a digital product, it was like, well, where do we put it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what right. Space for it. And so I, I was looked at Vimeo. Uh, it's on Amazon Prime as well. Um, but I wanted, you know, I just wanted something where people could gain access to it whenever uh, they wanted to, which is one of the reasons I went digital and not say, hey, let's make some physical copies to to send out to places. Yeah, that was great. I know I, I had purchased it on my phone and then I'm like, oh, I want my husband to watch this too. And so then we were able to get it on our Apple TV and I was able to to watch it there. And so super, super fun. So you have been hosting the Dr. Will show for quite some time. And I, as you know, we're on a podcast right now. I started my podcast about a year ago. So I'm very new to this journey, but I would love to hear how you started getting into podcasting and and why you do it what is tell us a little bit about the dr will show for those who may want to subscribe to your podcast well it, it's a podcast that i that's for educators where i like to say it's for you sort of to have a life that you don't need a vacation from where you can come and learn how you can take control over your life your career and your finances And so I bring on entrepreneurs who do this thing full time. I bring on people who have side hustles. I also bring on people who are educators who have left the field or full-time educational consultants or educators who are still working. They have a book out. They're speaking. uh, They're writing. They're consulting. they're, They're leading workshops. Because I believe first and foremost for every individual, but especially for us educators, I believe in everyone creating multiple streams of income. I believe in us thinking of ourselves as a business of one in terms of literally looking at your career as yours. You know, a lot Mm -hmm. of us enter this field and it's, this is my mission. This is my calling. I've wanted to do this since I was five years old and they get with a school district and it becomes very personal for them. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's my school district. No, you work there and they take work home mm-hmm. and they dedicate so much time that they don't, some of them don't spend a, a certain amount of time with their husbands and their children or whatever, because they're like all in on the school. And I'm not saying don't dedicate. I'm not saying, you know, you come slacker. Uh, I'm just saying that, you know, let's have balanced perspective and understand that you work there. And mm-hmm. we also work in a field. We know our, our salaries. 
are not commensurate with our years of experience and our education. Meaning outside of education, if you told someone I had 15 years of experience and a master's degree or a doctorate, you you could be making a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But in education, it doesn't happen that way. And you can't go to your boss and say, I got 35 kids. All of them pass a state test. 25 of them high level. Mm-hmm. What's my money looking like next year? Right. <laughs> like everybody else's money next year. Uh, exactly. you know, you're not going to get a raise on that. Versus somewhere else, if you had that type of accomplishment, you could negotiate a raise. And it's just for me to say to our educators why I do this thing, I, I want them to just not be, ash- don't be ashamed and don't be shy about thinking about their money because you need it to live. Right. You know, so. Yeah, I I totally agree. And I think about the fact that I met you on Twitter. I know you are prolific on, on Twitter and being a connected educator. And for me in my journey, I mean, I don't know where I would be right now as an educator if I hadn't gotten connected, if I hadn't started collaborating with educators from around the world. It just opened up my world so that I wasn't looking tunnel vision at education. I was able to open up my, my eyes to all of the things that were out there and, and be able to, to hear so many different perspectives and engage in so many powerful conversations. And uh, I mean, I could talk on and on about the difference that being connected has made for me as an educator, but I would love to hear from your perspective, what is being a connected educator meant to you what has it meant to be in a space like Twitter and to be able to connect with educators and, and thought leaders from around the world? I have, wow. The people that I've been con- to be able to connect with, these people have changed my life and the whole trajectory of my career. Mm-hmm. I mean, not only have I been able to learn and grow and, and figure out sort of where I belong and where I need to be in education. But I live in Mississippi Mm. and I have been able to, on a national level, be able to do things that prior to, let's say the internet just did not happen. Right. I mean, for, for me to be able to say as seen in Forbes. Right. I'm like, I'm like, my goodness. Again, I'm in Mississippi. I still work here. I live here. Uh, being able to get, again to connect with people like you and Eric and people that, you know, going, what makes ISTE and mm-hmm. FETSI and, and, and TCA, what makes those special is when you can go and see your Twitter people yeah. there, right? Because you're not yeah. going just to go. You're going, and yeah, you see your, you, you have these sessions and you could be presenting and all of that. But when you see your Twitter people, yeah, <laughs> it's like, all right, it's on and popping. 
it's 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 a it's a different you know a different experience and you know it's not like going to a local conference and nothing against the local conference you know but yeah. when you go there you're able to see these folks and you're excited to see them or people are excited to see you because they you know they've been connecting with you for the past six months on Twitter and now they get to see you offline. It's, it's just, in, in, you know, an amazing experience. And then what you get to learn, like, can I Google something? Yes. But when I Google it, it hasn't been vetted versus okay. if I get on Twitter and I ask a teacher something, they have used it. Right. They can give me the pers- a different perspective than just Googling something. Uh, so it, it, I, it is just really different. It has changed, you know, just, you know, just so much. I mean, I, it's there, you know, y'all can't see it, but I have a video front, uh, 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 where I have a framing of a three spread thing from me being interviewed on in Tech Edge magazine. Wow. And all of that became from me being connected right. because that person reached out to Schoology and said, we want to do an article on you. And they mm-hmm. said, you need to holler at Dr. Will. And they interviewed me. And I love it. that from there, things kind of just shot off from there. But just these experiences. And again, you know, I'm, I'm in Mississippi not thinking I'm just doing my job. And I'm not thinking anything or whatever is going to come of anything mm-hmm. and all of that stuff. And it's just been, you know, just really awesome experience to be connected. I I try to tell teachers about it and I've led, you know, a lot of Twitter sessions at conferences and some people have stuck with it, you know, mm-hmm. they get on it for just for the session. Right. <laughs> and then, then their Twitter feed becomes like, yeah. <laughs> But it, it's just, it's been life-changing. You know, it's, it's, it, yeah. it's different because as you know, it's daily connection, daily information, you know, whether you yeah. don't have to sometimes say something, just go into your feed and go, oh, this is some good stuff. I can take this back to my job. Uh, yeah. But it's just been awesome. Yeah. I, I can totally relate to that. And I, I think when it becomes really powerful is when you go from consuming to really engaging in conversations and, and having the courage to share yourself. Cause I know for a long time I would lurk on Twitter and I would see all of this, you know, amazing stuff and I would write it down or I would, you know, save it, maybe like it. And then it got to the point where I thought, wow, I'm learning so much. What do I have to contribute? to this. Like, I don't want to be just the consumer. Like I want to be able to give back because so, so many educators are giving to me. And so to do that, it takes vulnerability to put yourself out there because you can put something out there and like, I don't know if this is going to be helpful for anybody. Does anybody really want to know what I have to say? And, but then when you do, then there's this this give and take you're you're learning but you're also giving and then you can have conversations around what's being shared and then that led to the twitter chats and engaging in conversations with educators in that space and then really starting to 
continue those conversations. You know, you'll start a conversation in a Twitter chat and then, you know, somebody will ask for you to share a resource or you'll jump in that Twitter chat the next week and engage in another conversation. And so then relationships are being developed and you start to really find your people and educators that share that same fire and passion as you do. And I know so many days I could have a really difficult day in my district um, and feel maybe discouraged. And then I get onto Twitter and I'm like, ah, I feel inspired. Like I'm, I'm, I'm learning from people that are, are passionate and, and on fire for education too. And, and that's not to say that those people aren't in my district. I'm not saying that because there's many amazing educators in my district, but uh, there's something about being able to reach beyond your district walls and to be able to connect with people that may have differing perspectives in you, but, but share that same fire and passion for education. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It, it's, it's been a great ride for, for me. Uh, since since I got, because I got on Twitter when it would ask you a question, what are you doing? Uh-huh. And at first I was like, eating a sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> then I was like, this is dumb. I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> and I just started to have conversations with people, like ask them questions specifically. And, and from there, it's just been like, wow, this is awesome PD. And when you get on there, and then especially once you decide what you want to learn, you can then follow anyone, you know, so I follow financial planners and I follow business people and just thought leaders and, you know, outside of education. And I'm just sitting back, just, just learning and engaging and, uh, meeting a lot of di- different people and and you know get, getting things sort of set up for now and for t- t- for tomorrow you know planting right. the seeds of things like I just got a consulting gig based upon a recommendation from someone on Twitter. That's awesome. So I'm That's like, so cool. it's, it's it's amazing. Yeah, it really is. Wow. Well, I have just so enjoyed this conversation with you, Dr. Will. It's so amazing to be able to just talk about the things that we both love, that we share the same, you know, passion for technology and instructional technology and helping teachers use it and, and also podcasting and being able to share our stories. And so I appreciate you so much being on the show. I'm so glad that we are connected on Twitter and I look forward to the next time that we get to, to have another conversation. Hopefully that's at ISTE or Betsy, I am so sad that we missed out on the in-person ISTE in June, Yes, but hoping San Antonio for 2021 will happen. I'm, I'm crossing my fingers. (laughs) That would be, that would, that would be great. Um, And for you, I'm a Southerner. So for for any of you people from the North, San Antonio is going to be hot. So just be prepared. It's a fun, it's a fun city though. I it, do is, it, it is. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I know after this podcast episode that our listeners are definitely want, are going to want to connect with you. How can we find Dr. Will on social media? Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, but I mostly 
kick it on Twitter. So look for I am uh, well, at I am Dr. Will and I'm there. I pretty much follow folks who uh, follow me and I just believe in just, you know, I believe in engaging and not just a Twitter collecting Twitter followers. So uh, holler at me and uh, let's grow together. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. I so appreciate it. Have a magical day, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Make Learning Magical podcast. I hope you are inspired by this episode and encouraged to find new ways to bring magic into teaching and learning. You can connect with me on Twitter at Tish Rich, Instagram at Tish Richmond, or on my website at tisharichmond.com. Please use the hashtag MLMagical to share thoughts about this episode. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and tune in next week for another magical episode.